asking the little girl um, about the idea of God being present in her life and that she had nothing to be afraid of because God was present in her life. And she had spent, you know, several years teaching this little girl this lesson that, you know, no matter what comes, no matter what may happen, that God is there for you and he's present in your life. And then this one particular night, this thunderstorm came and um, was pretty bad one with lots of loud thunder and, and everything. And the little girl started screaming in the middle of the night, Mom, 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 get in here. So the mother came in and, in the room and she thought, well, um, it's another teaching time for my daughter and let me teach her that God is always present. There's nothing for you to be afraid of. And so she did. She told the little girl, honey, haven't I always told you that God is with you and, and you shouldn't be afraid? And she said, yeah, Mom, you, you have taught me that, but sometimes I need God to have skin on. And um, and that's what really the Advent season is what we remember, that God did put skin on and that this is how he ministered to us. This is how he showed us his love for us. And that's what we're looking at today, the idea of love. And we talked about last week about being born, having Christ born in us during this Advent season, that we want to look at what does it mean for us to, to have the Spirit of God to become exuding forth from us. And we looked last week at hope and that our hope is certain and we want to be a hopeful people. Today we lit the love candle, so we'll focus on love and then next week peace and then, I'm sorry, joy and then the following week peace as we light these candles and what these attributes mean as we reflect them to a dark and a dying world. But this morning, um, this idea of love, uh, it doesn't come uh, implicitly, or I'm sorry, explicitly in the birth narratives that we might find in Matthew or in, or in Luke. But there are other places where it is implicit that we want to look at this morning. And one of those places is in 1 John chapter 4. So if you want to turn in your scriptures to 1 John uh, chapter 4, I believe it's page 1023 in your pew Bible. You can pick it up and, and follow me there. We'll just read a few verses this morning. Starting with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. And by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. Let's pray. Father, Your Word of truth speaks to us this morning. Would You give us ears to be able to hear it, eyes to be able to see it. Lord, where I am weak, please be strong. Where I falter, be my steadfastness. May we hear You, Lord, and You only. In Your name we pray. Amen. 
1960, uh, the worst earthquake ever recorded in the history was recorded in Chile. Uh, or if you're from Central America, Nate, it might be Chile. Um, and it measured 9.5 on the Richter scale, the largest ever recorded. And of course, right after that was a tidal wave. And for for earthquakes beyond 1960 and on, everything has been measured apparently by that one quake and its devastation. And for us, we, we see things like earthquakes and we realize the power that happens in this world and the way that the world, um, the natural forces of the world shape us and mold us and mark places in time where we we think of things and we go, man, yeah, I remember the storm of such and such, or I remember the snowfall of December 2019. I will never forget this snowfall. Um, it will mark my calendar for the rest of my life. Um, but we have these places. But for the believer, for us who follow Jesus, for those of us who are Christ followers, something much more tremendous, something much more powerful, something much more devastating in, in such a way happened back some 2,000 years ago when God came to earth. And yet, we think it's gentle. We think it's mild. We, we package this season in something that is handle, we can handle. And something that's malleable. Something that we can easily touch. Something that we can process. But I tell you the truth this morning, as a follower of Christ, if you and I don't get this, then we've missed the whole point of God coming. That something much more devastating than a 9.5 Richter scale earthquake happened in the spiritual realms, that the shock waves continue to go on even into this day, until the day of His second advent. And it is this that God came to earth to show His love for you. Part of the reason I think we don't get this, part of the reason why I don't think it it undoes us as it did Isaiah, or astonishes us as it did the Apostle John, is because we have so minimized love into an earthly understanding that we have lost and diluted the understanding of the omnipotent, omnipresent, and perfect One coming to love us. Who actually did put skin on so that He could talk to us and relate to us in a voice and in a manner and in such a way that He would be able to sacrifice Himself for us to demonstrate that love. You see, the Apostle John does capture this in verse 7 where he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and he knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. I tell you the truth, we have so diluted the meaning of love that we can't understand that God is love anymore. We say I love you flippantly. We say I love you as a a salutation to letters. We say I love you just to make someone feel better. We say I love you for many different reasons. But God came to say, I love you in this, in His Son Christ, in a way that said, I love you so much, I'm going to die so that you and I can have a love affair with one another. That's astonishing. 
That should undo us. It should transform us. Because there's the whole point of the Christmas story. John continues on. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son. You see, that's the point. Nate asked a great question. What does it look like for us to do the ministry of Christ? What does it look like for us to be Christ to the world? Well, the Bible tells us specifically what does that look like. It looks like God is love. And God, because of His love, sent His Son for us. And that's the first thing we notice about this love that God reveals about us. That it's a sending love. That it's a love that condescends. It's a love that comes down. It's a love that's undeserving. It's a love that, is, that needs no response of love. But it's a love that is self-generated by God Himself. Self-motivated by God Himself. And it's a humbling love that God would leave His throne and come and put skin on Himself to love us. John wants us to get this point. And he wants this point to hit us in such a way that it's much like an earthquake reverberating within our own hearts. He goes on with, He sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, as I'm getting older, and maybe it's just because I'm cramming for finals, I don't know. But... But I tell you that the Christmas season is beginning to undo me more and more and more. And undo me in a way that is so good for my heart because it's undoing of being separated from that which is of flesh to that which is of the Lord. And the more I get undone from my flesh, the more I see that the point started way back in the garden when God promised that He would send His Son to crush the head of the serpent. That He would love us in such a way that at just the right time, He would send His Son to put His heel on the head of the enemy of our punishment, Satan himself, and crush his head. And that is the point that gets so missed in the Christmas season. Oh, we package it up, we put bows on it, and, and all those things are nice. And I don't, I don't mean in any way to delude the joy of, of gift giving and, and present giving and, and the way it helps our economy. Those are, all, those are all good things. And please don't think I'm trying to diminish anyone's joy at Christmas. But I'm trying to enhance your joy. I'm trying to elevate your joy because I want you to understand this. That the whole point was not so you and I would get presents. The whole point is not so that we would have nice bows under our tree. The whole point is not because it's a season of good tidings for all of us just to have this season of good cheer. But the real point of this season, this Advent season, is that you would know that God loves you. He loves you so much that He promised long ago, some four, five, six thousand years ago, that He would send His Son 
for the purpose of dying for you. And that which was unapproachable. When we look at the Old Testament, we understand that God Himself in the Old Testament, we, in His holiness, we had no abilities, none whatsoever, to approach Him in His glory. He was so far separated from us in His holiness and in His glory. It would take a high priest one a year to go into the Holy of Holies tied with a rope in the event that he died in there in the glory of God so someone else could yank him out. He was so holy that Aaron's own sons who touched the Ark of the Covenant as it fell to the ground, they died when they touched it. Because the dirt was more holy than their own hands. He who was so unapproachable except by blood invited us to approach Him, to peer over the edge of a manger and see Him in His glory. And what do we see when we look over the edge, the rim of that manger? And what is the glory of God that we behold, that we sang about in our songs this morning? Except the glory that God would come to die for you and I. The glory that God would go through the the whole idea of birth and the birthing process. That His love would send Him into the womb of a woman to go through the canals of birth. To know what it is to be swaddled and to be fed and to be in flesh. To smell the excrement of farm animals. So that He might put on this flesh with nerve endings and blood flowing through it, that it might be crucified on your behalf and mine. This is the intention of Christmas. This is the point of Christmas. Not that a little baby came that you and I might give each other a cute little gift from Zales and Jewelry. but that the gift of heaven came. God Himself came. As John says, that we might have life. A life for a life. The point was for God to say to you, And to me, I love you this much. What do we want to see about that kind of love? I want you to see this. And we've talked about this several times. God doesn't need to love us. God does not need our love back. God is completely satisfied and His own love that He has for Himself between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But God, in His own counsel, and His own good free will, chooses in His heart to make creatures that have a heart and have a mind to process and have emotions to emote that He might choose to love you. So much so 
that in knowing this in the way that He created you and I, that even in our rebellion and rejection and hatred of that love, He would die. That you might know how much He has chosen to love you. That is the Merry Christmas. And that is the point of Christmas. And in that point, and in that revelation, and in that, that, that God comes to express to us His holy, holy, holy love, and in His, His arms gathering up those who are His, and pulling us close into His own life for eternity so that we might have life, gives us this command. In verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Love is certainly the point, but love is also the command that is given to us. Interesting word, that word, we ought to love one another. If you're like me, there's room for wiggle there. I ought to do it. Doesn't mean I have to. But if we study this word further, we find out this is a word in the Greek that actually means we have a debt. We owe it. If God so loved us, if we begin to get it, if we begin to understand this whole point of the Advent was for Christ to come to show us that God loved us, we understand in that showing, in that revelation, there's a debt we have. There's an owing that we have. There is a response that we have. And that's to love one another. Love is a reflexive emotion. You've been to the doctor's office, right? Where the doctor takes a little rubber hammer and hits you in the knee and your leg jerks. There's a technical term for that. I'm sure Gary knows it. Some type of response. I forgot. Auto something response. What? That's good, Emma. (laughs) But don't you see that's the same response we're to have in God's love for us. In the way that God loves us, we reflect back. And that reflection goes out. To all those around us. A little girl was asked in school one time, how do, you, how do you spell love? And she said, here's how I spell love. And she ran up and she went and threw her arms around her teacher and kissed her, cheek, or kiss, or teacher, sorry, it's a microphone, um, he kissed her teacher on the cheek. And the teacher said, that's so sweet. And the little girl goes, yeah, that's how we spell love in my house. And she said, yeah, that's, that's really sweet, honey, but I really want to know the letters. How do, you, how do you spell love? She said, oh, okay. And so she went to the teacher's desk, and she arranged all her books in a very neat little pile. And she said, this is how we spell love in our house, too. You see, love without action is not love at all. And John goes on further in this chapter to say that. You can't say to your brother or sister that you love them and watch them go in need and watch them go in want. You and I can't say we love one another and be indifferent towards one another. 
And I've told you once, I'll tell you again, the highest form of hate is indifference. Indifference is, I don't even care enough about you to hate you. It's why Jesus would say in Revelation, I wish you'd be hot or I wish you'd be cold, but if you're indifferent, you make me want to puke. But God has so loved us that we owe the debt of loving one another in the way that God has loved us. It's reflexive. It's responsive. It's an obligation. And the reason we repel at that is because we think love is a feeling. And it's not. It's a choice. Let's think for a moment about this baby that came incarnate God and man who would raise to go to a day where He would arch His back up and receive the lashes from the flogging. And these words come from His mouth as His back is bowed to receive what you and I deserved. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I don't suppose that Jesus was having warm and fuzzy feelings about the Roman guards at that moment. But I do suppose that the second person of the Godhead was making a volitional choice to say, God, Father, love them, forgive them. And you and I are compelled by that kind of love to love each other with that same kind of love. To choose. To go. To go into each other's lives and to go in the lives of outside of these walls and to go into all the world reflexively loving like God has loved. Because we get the point. We get the point of Christmas is this. The point of Advent is this. That God came to love you with His Son's death and His life that you might live forever so that you would go out, die to yourself, and go out and show that same love. So that others could know this is how God loves you. God with skin on. And isn't that what the incarnational ministry of the Holy Spirit in you and I is all about? God with skin on. Isn't that what it means for us to be born again, to be born anew? Yes, it's about our salvation, but it's also about our sanctification. It's also about our going out and witnessing and testimony of what God has done for us so that others may know. And the Holy Spirit incarnates us with the ability to love in the same way that God has loved us. It's the point of Him being within you is so that you might begin to look like Christ to the world. Not so that you can become smarter. Not because you've read the latest books. Not because you're the greatest theologian. Not so you might be better looking. Not so your 401k could blossom. Not for any other reason except this, that the glory of God might be shown in you to the world. Now for that to happen, you have to love God more than you love the world. In fact, John will go on further and say, if you love the world, the love of God is not in you.
Love is revealing. It's revelatory. Verse 13, John says this, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us His Spirit. This love is a command. It reveals to us that we've been restored in Christ, but it also reveals to us that God lives within us and that this love is a gift. We haven't done one thing to earn this kind of love. But the love of God comes with gifts. Summed up in this, the love of God comes with the Spirit of God indwelling within you and me. And all the gifts of the Spirit and His bestowing those gifts within us. Not so that we might put them as trophies on the shelf, but that we might utilize them in showing love one to another. It is this incarnational ministry of the Spirit within us. Who have you loved recently? I'm not the easy ones. I'm talking about your spouse. Sometimes they're much harder to love than the easy ones, aren't they? I'm not talking about your best friend. But I'm talking about the one person who you've been indifferent towards. That person who you dream about their car wreck and you get a little grin. Oh, I know. That person when they fall, we go, I knew they would. I just told, I told everybody the day was coming when they were going to fall. I'm right. That person who we gloat over when they struggle. Maybe it's that person you wish would just go away. And maybe even that person is your brother or your sister in Christ. Maybe that person is someone in your house. Possibly it's your boss. Could be your children. God so loved you that He literally died to Himself to show you His love intentionally so that you could reflexively go out and love others. God with skin on. By giving you the gift of His Spirit that strengthens you to choose to love that way. The spear that entered the side of our Savior received only this, a broken heart. There was no lightning bolt. There was no retaliation. There was no coming down from the cross. There was no squashing. There was no thumb. There was no damn you to hell. 
but there was only the reception of blood and water from a literal broken heart over the sin of one who would pierce the side of one who loved him so much. And the incarnational ministry of the Spirit that goes into one such as that, one such like me, who is quick to throw the spear. That I might choose like He chose to say, I will love. And He's gifted me with His own presence in my life. Equipped me with His own gifts. His own joy. His own patience. His own kindness. His own long-suffering towards me. He's given all those gifts into every follower of His. To be exercised in such a way that we choose in the Advent to bear and bore out Christ in our lives. So that He would be born out of us into the world. And the strength for us to do that, John says, comes in this. Verse 14, And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God, so that we may come to know and believe the love that God has for us. That we may know and we may believe. That we may know, which means we understand we're in a relationship with God. That you and I are created to relate to God. And rely. We believe. We, re- we believe what God has done in our lives so that we rely on these gifts that He's given us, so that we might exercise them. Too often we're like the young man who told his girlfriend, I love you, I love you, I love you more than anything. I'll do anything for you. I'll buy you anything you want. And I'll see you tomorrow night if it doesn't rain. coming but isn't that our walk with Christ often I love you God I'll do anything for you just let me go bury my father first Jesus I'll follow you wherever you go but let me go sell the family farm first Lord I love you I love your church, but I'm not sure I can fit that starry night thing into my schedule. Lord, I love you. I really do. But you know those people across the moat out there that you really care about? I don't know them. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. 
but. You remember the acronym for but? The holy underlying truth. Lord, I love you, but behold the underlying truth. There are so many things that are more important to me than my love for you. God's, God's Word says this, that if our hearts are like that, then we don't know God. If our hearts are indifferent to one another, we don't know God. If we have bitterness and hatred towards one another, we don't know God. That's not my interpretation. That's not my exegeting something in the original. It's just plain out God's Word. You can't say that you love God and hate your brother. You can't say, I love God, I love you, but I'm indifferent towards everyone else you love God. Because that would be missing the whole point of Advent, wouldn't it? So how do we have this? How do we have Christ born in us? To know God, God's love in this Advent is to be transformed by God's love in Advental living. We take these truths, we go out with them. Secondly, to ignore God's love is to embrace darkness. You must understand that. There is no middle ground. There's no indifference. There's no lukewarm. It doesn't really exist. To not love God, to not love the light of God is to embrace the darkness. We're not, we're not given complicated options. We either love God or we hate God. Three is to possess God's love is, is embracing fearlessness and living out the advent. Do we ever get it all right? Absolutely not. And that's the most incredible thing about God's love. Even though we have this incarnation of the Holy Spirit, these amazing celestial gifts, we mess it up all the time. I mess it up all the time. But one of the, I don't know, maybe this the unspoken gift of the New Testament for the believer is resiliency. Maybe it's called perseverance. But the idea of God gave me grace to live another day. I have a great opportunity here to choose love. To choose the advent. Because God has so loved me with His cross that He'll never stop loving me even when I blow it. And so I don't have to look at this advental living as a work. I don't have to look at it as a burden. I don't have to look at it as a labor. I look at it as a character trait that God is developing within me. And this is what God is developing in you and, and every one of us who follow Christ. That's what it means that we rely on Him. We believe in Him. Is that we're willing to make the decision one more day to live for Him. I pray this Christmas season becomes a spiritual earthquake for you. I pray the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will rock your world. In a way much more profound than just the quaking of your feet underneath you. But I pray it will be the shaking and the crevice of your own heart that allows the love of God to come in deeper. 
so that you may know what it means to live in the Advent, in the expectation of the Advent to come. Let's pray.